Well, welcome back to another special episode of Grecology, the podcast of Gospel Reformation UK. And uh, now we have the question and answer segment from our last Zoom Utopia 5, Why the End of the World is Good News. And so we join Darren Moore, Phil Haynes, and Matthew Roberts. You, you guys are good. You're good to go. Oh, we're good to go, are we? Yeah, you, you. I mean, we can all just stare and look at you, but uh, you're good to okay, go. Okay, because I, I can see, just see you and um, and on my YouTube, obviously, Mike Cochran, but they can still hear us, so that's okay. Um, and I'm very glad um, uh, Michael clarified at the end that you're not going to ask us any questions because um, um, we're going to just put them to, to Matthew. And um, uh, so while you're thinking of a few questions, and if you want to use Slido, it is... Um, if you put in SLI full stop DO, and then where it comes up with a little box and the hashtag, if you just put in GRUK, and you can put in questions anonymously there. And we're being joined um, this evening by Phil Haynes. Um, not that anyone knows who any of us are at GRUK, but uh, he's uh, a new member of the team, and we'll introduce him properly another time. Um, so, uh, First question, Matthew, we mentioned this slightly tongue-in-cheek, but uh, about your Left Behind series books, and you, you, you haven't read those, but you have read this comic version of the Hal Lindsay thing. Um, <laughs> apparently, there is something you can expand on that. <laughs> well, I can tell you a bit about it. I have no idea how I, ha how I came to um, have it, but I, I learned an early lesson in biblical exegesis, really courtesy of my father, really. Um, uh, I don't think my my my, um, my my parents are wonderful believers, and uh, I owe a vast amount to them in the Lord. Um, but they, uh, I have no idea how I, this thing ended up in my room. But it was a comic book version of Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth, which, um, if you haven't heard of, uh, is an, is a wonderful example of it's the thing I was referring to earlier, really, on, of why reading Revelation goes massively wrong if you think it's just about the tiny slice of history in which we live. Um, but I remember very clearly one of the pages in this book um, referred to the bit a bit early on in Revelation where it talks about the locusts rising uh, out of the abyss. And Hal Lindsay described that the, the locusts coming out of the abyss were Russian battle helicopters and had pictures of uh, uh, pictures of these helicopters coming up. And, uh, and it says the locusts have a sting in the tail. And this was the machine gun that they had at the back of the, uh, uh, of the helicopter. And I remember reading this and thinking that, that this is amazing. Uh, and the text in the thing said, um, uh, it's incredible. J John wrote 2,000 years ago, but described modern battle helicopters perfectly. Uh, and I remember going to my dad and saying, Dad, this is incredible that the Bible's so accurate that it described modern battle helicopters per perfectly. And my dad looked at it and said, I can't remember his words, but basically something along the lines of, that is a load of rubbish. That is absolutely not what uh, Revelation was intended to be about. And where did you get that comic from anyway? <laughs> to which... I didn't know the answer, neither did he. Uh, but it taught me to be um, very sceptical of, uh, well, or at least don't be too trusting of everyone who tells you that they know what the Bible means. Um, and just think sensible questions about what would the author mean when he wrote this? And could, is it conceivable that John the Apostle could have meant Russian battle, battle helicopters when he, uh, when he wrote Revelation? Of course, the answer is no. Um, uh, he, he was doing something far more important uh, which is what I've been talking about. Great, thank you. Well, th thanks, um, thanks, Matthew. That was so helpful. The uh, the whole the whole sermon, but also that that uh, uh, speaking about that book you had from uh, when you were young. That's brilliant. Um, but talking about 
coming into you know how to how to read uh, Revelation, I think you know mm-hmm. that's part of what you've been speaking about tonight. And you looked at that chapter eighteen and nineteen. And for people who are approaching the book of Revelation, who are uncertain about it because you know the the imagery is is fantastic yeah. and it's, it's an incredible book to read. Could you perhaps give advice to people on just how to approach reading Revelation? Yeah, I think my my first main bit of advice is don't be scared of it. Actually, um, people are scared of it because they think, oh, it's just so weird, it's going to freak me out. Um, and ju- just understand what um, what John is doing is that he is he's painting dramatic pictures to communicate what is going on right now. Um, and so the, the most important things that you need to do in any part of the Bible, just as true of Revelation as anywhere else, is um, is ask the question, um, where is Jesus in this passage? Um, and and wh- where am I and the rest of Christians in this passage? And then, of course, quite often you need to ask, and where are the enemies of God in this passage? Um, and, uh, and, and when you realise that Revelation is not about making weird predictions about stuff that might happen right at the end of the world, um, but is... Uh, is instead peeling back the covers of what's going on now. Actually, it's not nearly as hard. Now, okay, lots of lots of it is kind of pretty puzzling and why have we got the bowls and the trumpets? And, and okay, it's worth reading good books and those things and that they, they will help. Um, but actually, what I'd just say is read it and enjoy the imagery um, and it's right to feel excited about it. But what's really clear is that, um, is that it's, as all of the Bible is, it's all about Jesus and it's all about how Jesus saves his church from the powers of evil. And if you just read it, thinking, right, in this passage, which character is Jesus? Which character is representing character is representing us? Uh, and where are the powers of evil? And what does that mean for me? Then actually, that that, that generally falls into place uh, really pretty well. A, a good example is um, uh, perhaps what's the weirdest image uh, in the whole book, uh, which is in chapter twelve, with the um, uh, where there's the, the, there's a woman in labour and there's a dragon who wants to eat her baby when he's born, and um, uh, and uh, but when the baby is born, he's he's swept up to heaven and then the dragon sends a flood out of his mouth. It's awfully weird, but actually it's not that difficult. Okay, who's who's the baby? Well, that's Jesus. Very clearly, he's going to rule the, the nations with a rod of iron. In which case, who is the woman? Well, it can't be the Virgin Mary because that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, uh, no, the, the woman is, is the church. She's got to be because the church is the, the people of God from whom came the king, Jesus. But then Jesus rules over the king, which is what happens in the picture, and then the dragon is the devil. And so the picture is just about how um, Christ has uh, been born into this world of the people of God, and he's ascended to heaven and is now defi- is now protecting his people from the power of the devil. Not, Don't be scared of it. Read it, enjoy the imagery, and just look for Jesus, and it's not too hard. So really, you said that about uh, Revelation 12. I preached at that Christmas time, so you said the same thing as me, so that's always there. Uh... So obviously, it's easy. <laughs> Uh, if we said the same thing, isn't it? So um, um, there's a few questions sort of related to each other um, that people have put on YouTube. So I'm looking this way sometimes, um, mm-hmm. although I'm ignoring you. Um, but to do with ethics, really. So um, to yeah. do with what? So um, to do with how do we come out of yeah. um, Babylon? What does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. you, you made some allusion to that, but how do we, um, given we sort of live in Babylon, how do we how do we come out? What does that look like? Yeah, and so I, I think it, the, the 18 verse 4 is very helpful. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Um, so obviously, as, as John Wright says, no one can leave the Roman Empire 
and all of the entrenched uh, 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 structures of evil that are going on in the Roman Empire, economic and uh, slavery, and and then massive sexual morality everywhere. Um, uh, they can't they can't leave. So what does it mean? Well, what what clearly what it means is don't live like people around. So. Uh, it's not different to what Jesus says in the Gospels, live in the world, but don't be of the world. Um, it is, uh, it, it, how do we do this? We, we, need to be, we need to be careful that though we can't avoid trading with the world, we have to buy our food and we've got to pay our rent and everything else. Um, but we don't need to trade like the world, which means being driven by greed, uh, by the lusts of our flesh, which of course may mean sexual lust, but all the others as well. Um, it means we need to be, very simply, we need to be careful to, as we engage with the world, do so in accordance with the law of God, um, which means that we are humbly seeking to serve and honour Christ uh, rather than uh, uh, seeking to satisfy our own desires for all of the cargo and uh, and and money and pleasure that Babylon represents. So, um, yeah, actually, it's, it's not, it, it, it doesn't require us to leave and found monasteries. Uh, it doesn't require us to, you know, start dressing in sackcloth. It requires us to, um, well, it, interestingly, the very last, uh, second last verse I read, uh, that the bride is granted to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. The fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Um, but but the, the thing that Christ does for us, we're going to be his bride. But actually, right now, he gives us the privilege of being able to, uh, or the picture is to be dressed in lovely white robes. Um, that is to just to live in a way which is suitable to be the bride of the Lord Jesus. We just get to live according to his word. Now, that, that's all it means. Uh, it means being honest. It means uh, not telling lies. It means uh, not stealing. It means uh, honouring our father and mother. It means keeping the commandments of God uh, out of love for the Lord Jesus who is our betrothed and will be our bridegroom. So someone did, um, uh, on that theme, um, if I can find it again. Um, so there's a few questions about coming out of Babylon. What does that mean? And um, one of them said, oh, if I can find it specifically. Yeah, so any tips about how to be grateful for the good gifts that we have um, in the world we live, um, but at the same time, um, not to love them. Yeah, well, um, I mean, do that is basically how I'd say. Okay, Be yeah. grateful, but don't love them. Um, but I, I do think that the, the, the characterization of Babylon is very helpful um, mm. in that the combination of uh, of cruel tyrants with harlot um, is uh, it's very deliberate by John because that that is the nature of sin uh, is that out of out of our desire for advancing ourselves or satisfying our pleasures um when we follow those desires what we will do is trample on on others as well as trample on the glory of god um and so uh, the, and and it's the fact that there is this kind of tight nexus between the the, the desires to sin in the human heart and the outworking of that in the cruelties and miseries of the world um is uh, I mean that, that's a profound insight. It's very interesting that that's totally absent from all of the, the kind of public righteousness that goes on uh, now. We're excited. It's very into public righteousness. Will you decry you know, this particular evil or that particular evil? But what it always does is it locates the evils of the world in, in that thing or those people. Um, 
and John won't let us do it because this is Babylon, because she's a whore as well as uh, a queen, um, as well as a city. He said, you're, you're implicated here. So the question is, what, what is driving your heart? Are you following your wicked desires? Because however small a way in which you're doing that, um, then uh, actually you're being part of her. So to come out of her is to, is to repent of doing that. Now, I do think there's some really difficult gray areas. Okay, so uh, I think I did allude to you know, the, the, um, the streaming services on TV or whatever, you know, which pump out a huge amount of filth. There's, you know, it's very Babylon-esque, you know, the, the massive might of Netflix. And um, what, what, what has this massive corporation put on our screens? And lots of it is is wicked and immoral and sexually immoral as well as in other ways. Um, so how do we engage with that? Does that mean we can't trade with it at all? Should we all, should none of us ever have Netflix? Well, that is an option. And for some people, that would be the right thing to do. Um, but certainly as a Christian, what we ought to be saying is we must examine our hearts for our motives for why we are doing these things. What, why am I paying my subscriptions? Now, I do have a Netflix subscription, but I'm concerned to use it wisely and rightly. And I'm certainly not assuming I'll always keep it. You know, So I think it's uh, it's a careful self-examination of the heart to obey the laws of God and to not be driven by our lusts. That's the... Which actually, um, before um, Phil asks some more questions, um, of course, one of those things would be YouTube. Um, and we have to be wise in our use of YouTube. But do subscribe to our YouTube channel. And... Um, <laughs> And, and on our Facebook and, and such like, it's really, help, it's really helpful. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> yeah, but be yeah, wise. I, I, you know, you, you, YouTube will have a whole load of whores of Babylon will pop up on the uh, on the site. So, you know, yeah. that, that's a good example of it, really. You know, you've, um, you, in our world, it's very hard not to use YouTube, um, but don't be drawn in by it. Uh, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you, Phil. Over to you. Oh, no, not at all, Matthew, thanks. Um, it's interesting because we actually got a question really and you've answered it because it was whether it was possible to totally come out of Babylon but I mean you you, you talk very much about how, how we have to be very wise and discerning in, in in what we do and how we use what what we have because in many ways with the the internet and the proliferation of all these services we very much are in danger aren't we of bringing Babylon into um, our homes so it's it is that it is it is that balance, as, as you say, and it's uh, wise as serpents, innocent as uh, as doves. Mm -hmm. uh, but to to kind of move, um, if if that's okay, one of the questions we've got because we're we're to um, rejoice over the fall of Babylon, but we don't rejoice on in the in the fall of unbelievers, and and we've got to be careful and make a distinction there as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting question and a really uh, and a really important one. Uh, it's certainly uh, it is not the place of Christians in this age to rejoice at the destruction of non-Christians. That is true. Um, uh, I do think that um, people do often ask the question, well, well, what about after the Lord's return? Will we not be grieved by the fact even then that there are some people who are in hell? And um and I, I think the answer to that is, is that um, the, the, the reason that we should not rejoice over the destruction of our enemies, we should love our enemies, as Christ says, um, uh, the reason we're to do that now is that they have images of God and the image of God is still very much present in them. But what sin, of course, is doing is, in, is busy destroying the image of God. Um, uh, but w when the Lord has returned, we will be at a, a point when um, there will be no 
dowageable image of God left in those who have persisted in their unrighteousness. And so uh, there will be a right rejoicing for us then, even at the destruction of evil people. Um, but that's very different to where we are now. And certainly it should never be the delight of Christians in this age. We should be acting in this age as Christ has in this age, which is in mercy as Christ has shown to us and a longing for people to be saved. So, yeah, I think that is a, that is a useful distinction. Got lots of comments uh, about uh, just uh, in, in different ways how people found the, uh, the sermon helpful, which is good. Um, someone commenting that they um, still don't know what your favourite Left Behind book is. Um, and <laughs> Nor um, do I, because I haven't read any of them, so uh, can't help with that. Um, uh, your critique of dispensationalism is excellent. You, you just said it was silly. I don't know. Anyway, the, um, there are some helpful books on, on it on the on the bookstore. Um, yeah, and, I, I don't I don't think it's silly. I think that that's far too uh, that's far too unfair on brothers who uh, you know who who thought very carefully. But I do think it falls seriously far short in various ways. But um, there are some excellent books, and another one um, that I don't think was on your screen, but um, Bern Poitras's book on dispensationalism is is very very helpful as well, and very very ironic and loving towards brothers who who would take that view. And, and you can buy that in as a, as a book, um, but also uh, you can find it as a free PDF uh, online as well. Um, yeah, is that's very, and it's very, yeah, you're right, it's a very generous book. Um, and uh, someone asked, just out of interest, is um, do you think it was written uh, pre or post AD 70? <laughs> well, I think we ought to be, um, we ought to be cautious. Um, uh, Greg Beale, in his commentary, makes the comment that the very fact that Babylon is used in the way uh, that it is here makes it, uh, um, and there is, you know, there is an illusion of similarity between Rome and Babylon, even though Babylon is not only about Rome. But that 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 makes you lean towards after AD seventy, probably because because Rome has done to Jerusalem what Babylon did to Jerusalem. Um, I think there's something fairly persuasive about that. I think it's much more likely that it's written after Jerusalem's been destroyed. But I also think that it actually, in many ways, it doesn't matter nearly as much as we might think, because uh, while what happened to Jerusalem, so maybe not all of our listeners, uh, we perhaps should explain a little bit more. The point about AD 70 is that that was when the Roman Empire destroyed Jerusalem. And so, uh, and so some people think if Revelation was written before AD 70, perhaps Babylon really means Jerusalem. Um, but I think that's harder to accept for the reasons that I said earlier on, um, even though I, I know some uh, brothers I highly respect do hold that view. But I am. Um, uh, but it seems to me that if once you kind of see the scale of what Babylon means, it actually doesn't matter that much what date it was written, because the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, it is a sign of the coming end of the world. But it's not more than a sign of it. It's an important sign. Jesus uses it as an important sign. Um, uh, but it's. Um, but it doesn't change. It's not the reality of the end of the world. It doesn't change it. So I think probably written after. I'm much more inclined to think it's written sometime after 1870. But, um, no, thanks. Not the most there's some, there's some other technical questions, but I think go to the book to the answer to that. But. Um, you spoke about the uh, Greg Beale's commentary. You actually had a, uh, one question which came through, so I'll, I'll keep on the commentary line. Uh, would you recommend William Hendrickson's commentary on Revelation entitled More Than Conquerors, if you if you know it, of course. Yeah, well, th this is an easy question for me to answer because I haven't read it, so I don't know. So I'm afraid I, I can't. I mean, I've uh, I've heard other people recommend it, and I'm very happy to think that that probably means it's good, uh, uh, a jolly good book. But I'm afraid I don't know. 
fair enough. Well, that's a, that's a, reading that's an commentaries, answer. there is no end, I'm afraid, aren't there? Yeah, these days. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Darren, do you have any uh, more questions? Oh, I'll just have a look, because um, we, we've sort of taken them thematically rather than in order. So um, what we've asked, there's very good questions. Um, and um, there was a question about, right, so someone asked, um, a word on how the victory on the cross secured the defeat of Babylon. Is it to do with how God could populate the replacement world? So I suppose, how does the cross, um, yeah, how does the cross defeat Babylon? I think you did explain this, actually, um, but I don't know if there's a succinct. Um, well, there's always more to say, but the, um, uh, I mean, the, the cross is God's victory over evil in all its forms and all its effects. Um, uh, and so, uh, in a sense, that's like that's a pretty big question. You're basically asking, of, you know, an explication of the whole of the gospel of, you know, what, are the, what does the cross do? Because Babylon is is representative of the uh, the way that sin works out in human societies. Um, well, what, but principally, what has the cross done? Um, by bearing the guilt of our sin, uh, Christ has removed the condemnation of sin. Uh, and so, therefore, the plagues which Babylon um, uh, will receive, um, that's the unless you share in her plagues, verse four, um, that those who those who are in Christ will never receive those plagues. That's why we can come out of Babylon. Um, and then the second strand to it is that the, the power of Babylon is the lust, the sinful desires. I use the word lust, but I don't just mean sexual ones. I mean all the simple desires uh, of the human heart. They're, they are the, they're the fuel, they're the furnace that drives the power of Babylon. Um, and what Christ has done at the cross um, is, to, um, uh, is to put to death the simple nature of all of those who are, uh, who are his. And because he's done those things, the, the devil has lost all his power to accuse mankind. Um, and so Revelation pictures the devil being thrown out of heaven because of what Christ has. Sorry, yeah, the devil being thrown out of heaven because of what Christ has done. And um, uh, so it, that, that is how it's the it's the defeat of death, the defeat, the, the capture of Satan, the overcoming of his triumph um, uh, that comes because Christ bore our sins and he died as the representative of all his people. Um, so that's the positive version. There's loads more that could be said. Well, thank you, Matthew. I think that's a, a good point to uh, finish the, uh, the Q&A on with the, uh, the victory of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ uh, on the cross. Um, so thank you once again. Thanks for your um, ministry. Uh, it was so helpful. And uh, thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, thanks to Darren, my co-host, and Michael and Josh for their uh, contributions as well. Before I close, I just want to remind you to take a look at the uh, uh, on our Zoom Utopia page at the uh, Evangelical Bookshop to see more good books on uh, this subject. And of course, I'd also encourage you to subscribe to our Grecology podcast, our YouTube channel, like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. And there's rumours in the wind that there may be an Instagram account or a LinkedIn account uh, in the making. So you can keep an eye out for that as well. We're uploading new content all the time, so please uh, keep an eye on everything. And uh, I would also recommend uh, reading uh, Matthew's blog posts, which he very kindly allowed us to put on the uh, GRUK. 
on uh, cancelling life, uh, a fear of death uh, in regard to our, this uh, COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, that was a really helpful series and a, a very uh, beneficial read. So thanks to him and thanks to everyone. And uh, I'll close in prayer. So let us all pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we come to you, our creator, our sustainer, our saviour. We come to you, the God of eternity, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Our Lord, our God, we thank you for what we have heard tonight. We thank you for the great victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. We thank you that Babylon has been defeated. We thank you that all who believe in Jesus Christ are being brought out of Babylon. And there is now a wonderful hope that has been given to us by him. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray then for the churches who are represented here this night, we pray that this great gospel, this great hope in Jesus Christ is proclaimed in all our pulpits this weekend, that this great message of salvation penetrates into many hearts, that those who may not believe in our families, friends, communities may come in and hear this gospel and be rescued from Babylon's grip. So, Lord our God, we preach Jesus Christ and his great victory over sin, death, hell, and all of Satan's powers. So, Lord, our God, go before us this night. Bless this ministry that we've received this night to our hearts. And, Lord, may it encourage us for the days ahead and bring us gladly into our churches as we worship you on the Lord's day. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Krakology, the podcast of Gospel Reformation UK. To find out more, head over to our website. That's gr-uk.org. There you'll find more content uh, that's coming out daily, weekly, and uh, the upcoming conferences uh, that will be coming out later this year. And if you just want to watch the videos from Zoom Utopia 5, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast feed you're using. Thank you, and see you next time.